0: Three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode possibly 117 of the Midweek Metagame. I'm your irregular co-host, Patrick Robertson, joined as always by Gabriel Nassif. Hey, everyone. Hey, Pat. Hi, it's good to be back. Harry, unfortunately, can't be with us this weekend. He's gone deep-sea diving and maybe at the bottom of the ocean right now, trapped in some kind of wreckage. Uh, We'll hear from him at some other point in time. Maybe he'll be back next week. Who knows? Um, Well, 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 uh, we've got a lot to talk about this week. I've played a paper tournament in the last fortnight. Uh, Gab, you've obviously been playing a lot, preparing for the upcoming set championship for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. And that's going to be the central focus of this episode, I guess. Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. we have got new sets out on Arena and Magic Online. Really impactful. And we're going to go through a whole bunch of... uh, Impact of the cards from the set in various different formats but before we get started we need to shout out our sponsors card market is an online marketplace where you can go and spend money on magic paraphernalia and other trading card games you should go there and spend money there they've been great supporters of the podcast for you know a long time now and so we appreciate their their support and you should uh, patronize them with your business but we should also uh we need to shout out the Patreon. So members of the community support us at Patreon.com/slash/MidweekMetaGame. There's obviously no obligation to do so, but uh, you know, if you want to get there, get on the Discord and get involved. I love hearing from people uh, in our Discord channel and asking questions and various stuff like that. But all that's out of the way. Let's get down to brass tacks. and Neon Dynasty. It's out. I've been playing a bit of arena. I actually fired up arena for the first time in you know a very long time. And you know, started drafting a bit of this let set, and I've been watching more arena streams, historic in particular. And so, Gab, you've obviously been playing heaps. Uh, I've enjoyed the set. What's been going on for you in a format like, say, historic?
1: Yeah, I played a decent bit of historic this week. Mostly historic was just a modern challenge on Sunday, and uh, I tried out a bunch of stuff, a bunch of the new cards. I think the first deck I tried out was enchantress aggro without solemnity and nine lives i was trying to see how good uh cards like jukai naturalists which is a 2-2 lifelink for green and white enchantment creature reduces enchantment spells you caused by one was as well as weaver of harmony which is 2-2 for two other enchantment creatures get plus one plus one and you can Tap it, pay a green, copy triggered or activate ability of enchantment source. So you can copy the draw trigger from the enchantress. Another one that was really relevant is copying the trigger of baffling end and getting multiple creatures. That was sweet. So, so, this, yeah. is definitely,
0: so this deck is definitely built in a way that's like a little bit different from say boggles or whatever in modern. So you're taking advantage of kind of quite expensive and more like prison style enchantress deck. Is that right?
1: Not really. It's just kind of like a mid-range deck. A mid-range creature deck with a lot of building card advantage and being able to go over the top was the mana from Sanctum Weaver and um, a tiny bit of interaction. I think Baffling End is one of the better cards you can play in the in the format. And um, I found that the deck was decent. The cards were good, but I think that overall you're probably just better off playing Nine Lives and Solemnity was... Um, Sterling Grove, Sterling Grove, I believe it's Sterling Grove, right? White and a green. Yeah, the card from Apocalypse. I actually cut that card from my creature build. The reasoning was that there was no one specific card I really needed to tutor for, and there was nothing I specifically wanted to protect. It also really doesn't help you against the huge hosers like Rampage the Clan or Cleansing Nova, uh, Meat Hook Massacre, so decided to cut uh, the card from the deck. And that was definitely something people were asking about. You know, it was probably the most asked question, why am I not playing Sterling Grip? So that was my reasoning. Could be right, could be wrong. I thought it made sense. And uh,
0: what, en- what Enchantresses do you have in that deck? You obviously have uh, you have like Citizen Champion and uh, Idolon of Blossoms, or is it yeah. Enchantress Presence?
1: Yeah, you have Sites Harvest Hand and Enchantress Presence.
0: Okay. All right. So one in China, one, and then one of the ones from the la- the latest. Yeah. Season. Okay.
1: And then I was playing one citizen champion, just have an extra, extra enchantress, I guess. I was also playing one calyx, but that card was not super good and I didn't play the deck a ton. I think enchantress kind of deck that's good when, um, when people are really not ready for it, when people don't have cards like cleansing Nova and rampage to clans and, People mostly did have that kind of stuff, and it was a little tough. The deck felt strong, but nothing too, too special.
0: So what sort of decks in Historic would this be particularly good against? Are you playing like main deck Rest in Peace and stuff like that, trying to get a leg up on, say, Phoenix?
1: I guess this deck is good against people who are not killing your Enchantress or, you know, kind of fair decks. You can go over the top. So maybe maybe other creature decks um maybe even something like food can, can be okay if they don't have the the annoying cards uh but la- last 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 list had cards like rampage the clan in the main deck so that was that stuff like one main one sideboard is yeah Arya, uh AKhawkbugg won her ptq and she in her list there was one main one sideboard so the combo is they go end up turn rampage a clan and then they untap and meet hook masker so they get your entire board. If you draw well enough, you can get far enough ahead that you can rebuild after something like that. But it's not that easy to to accomplish, you know, to have that good of a draw because they also have fatal push to slow you down and other cards. And yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this deck could be good too. When baffling end is good, this deck can be better. You know, you can just load up on baffling ends, maybe some other O rings. Lorings are pretty decent in a bunch of matchups. They're they're good against auras, which is, you know, maybe the fifth most played deck or so. Um yeah, so. auras
0: also gained a little bit from the, the latest set, right? There's a new uh bear that lets you tutor for tutor for auras with like equal of mana cost when you cast one. Is that is that right? Yeah, it lets
1: you tutor for different aura that you have to attach to it. That card did not seem very good to me. It didn't make a ton of sense because you have to attach the aura to that creature, and you don't get to draw the card. So I, I read, the, I saw one tweet, someone saying, "Oh, that card's super, super good." I'll have to, you know, see it to believe it. I guess you already had eight really good enchantress. You can even splash green for Sithis if you want another one. So yeah, I can't, I can't really. Tell it. I don't know. Reading the card, it didn't seem like that card was very good.
0: Just desperately trying to figure out what the card's actually called. But okay, that, that's that's um, I, I think I might have seen the exact same tweet that you saw, which is someone saying that, yeah, this card's obviously broken. Like it's really, really powerful. Yeah,
1: I think they were playing Magic Online. I think it was in Pioneer, maybe
0: it was in Pioneer. And that's actually something I was going to bring up maybe a little bit later, but now seems like a reasonable time anyway. That a lot of A lot of this, this has been really impactful for formats like Pioneer and the the Pioneer card sets almost at the point where like it matches up with the historic one in a reasonable fashion. So I've definitely seen some decks that are legal, both in Pioneer and historic say that would be uh, definitely shells worth trying. I mean, maybe we'll talk about a little bit about Grease Fang decks or vehicle decks down the line, but I've definitely seen some of those being successful in Pioneer as well. But yeah, I think it was Black White Auras in Pioneer where they were playing this unnamed Aura synergy card from the latest set that we can't remember the name of.
1: Yeah, it's something Paws, the Legendary Creature.
0: Light Light Paws, there we go. Yeah. I knew it was Light Something. I couldn't remember what the last word was.
1: Yeah, it's been that way for a while, and it seems to still be true with go. You know, you had the Ragdus Arcanist deck, you had the White Black Auras deck, that were good in, in both formats.
0: Yeah, I think they're like, if you look at the card pools side by side, they're not too far apart in power level, Historic and Pioneer. I think, you know, Historic is... Clearly a little bit more powerful, but, but that's just based on some of the Modern Horizons uh, direct printings and some of the, uh, there was one other oh, mystical archives as well that came out in in Strixhaven that yeah. really added a big power boost to that format. But you know, apart from that, they're kind of close to one another on power level. So it's definitely worth kind of borrowing ideas one way or the other. Yeah. The next deck I want to talk about actually
1: has a bunch of cards that are not legal in Pioneer cards like Esper Sentinel and Thought Monitor. It's Mm Blue-eyed Artifact that was the deck I was most excited about for Historic. Trying out the new cards, you had Moonsnare Prototype, you had the Reality Chip, Mindling Mank, and Tethered Betrayer of Flesh. And so far, the only card for me that's uh, you know, lived up to the hype or that's performed well is Moon Snare Prototype. I feel like reality chip in this deck is mediocre, same for the mech, same for Tezzeret. And not only was Prototype good, but it made I think it makes Karn a really good. Karn sign of Urza. Just being able to ramp into to that card has been really, really strong for me.
0: I really like that that card and it kind of fell by the wayside when Karn Great Creator came out. Uh, so I'm not surprised that it's found at home, but I've also been really impressed with the Moon's Net prototype when I've watched it in play and played against it in modern and also cast it in draft as well. Just that card, you know, all things stacked up. It might actually wind up being the most impactful card in the new set.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. It's been, it's been good. The colorless mana is a little bit of an issue. That's maybe the, the biggest kind of downside of the card. But I've been impressed. It's been good in, in a bunch of different shells. And the the channel ability has been uh, quite relevant as well, as it's kind of as expected, I guess.
0: Yeah. It doesn't have to come up very often for it to be great.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I really like
0: the fact that this prototype just turns your springleaf drums into mana sources as well. Like, it doesn't rely on you having, like, a creature about, like, Memnite or Onnithopter or whatever whatever one drop of choice you have in, in Historic. But just having these hands which are, like, you know, normally, if you had a hand that had multiple Springleaf drums in it and no creature, you couldn't do anything. But you can have a hand that's like prototype drum and it actually does something, which is great. Really, really important.
1: Yeah, super super good with Portable Hole and all the other Artifacts. Yeah, um, portable
0: portable yeah. Hole is just off the chain at the moment.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen too many... I haven't been paying attention to Modern much, so I don't know if people have been playing decks with Prototype, but without drum, the lists I've seen were mostly just Affinity was adding a bunch of zero mana creatures and playing both, trying to cheat Urza into play as fast as possible.
0: Yeah, that's what I've seen as well. No one kind of choosing uh prototype over drum, but just you know, playing the full eight and going all out.
1: Yeah, I guess technically you can let cast Urza if you go turn one prototype, a zero, you play a drum of the prototype, and then you play another. See, so if you have two zeros, a land, and... I guess two drums slash one drum prototype. You have four mana on turn two. Yeah.
0: And then you can, your zeros is obviously augmented by frog mites on those draws as well. Yeah. So hmm. it's just pretty easy to ramp out, you know, either, either a bunch of mirror forces or an Urza or a thought, a thought monitor. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah no, I haven't seen these decks in action, but they're probably good. So yeah, that deck was, it's been good for me so far. I haven't played a ton, but as I said, I was. Mostly impressed by Prototype being good and making Karn better. You have Lion Sash, which I got to play a tiny bit yesterday against Green Black Food, and it was, it was pretty good. there. pretty good at making Lyrus a non, non, non-issue. non
0: Yeah. So Lion Sash is the reconfigure equipment that's basically Savannah. Uh, I'm not Savannah, scavengers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so main deck graveyard hate. That's also a big threat that grows. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not surprised it cuts great.
1: But... I feel just had it in my sideboard. I don't think it's especially great without Stoneforge. I've even heard that with Stoneforge, it's not even that, you know, anything special.
0: In, in formats with the Stoneforge Mystic, there's such a huge pressure to... It has to be so much better than Caldera Complete that it's worth the deck building slot. I mean, we even see that in these Stoneforge decks, there's no space for Skull anymore. No one gets Skull. You just go and get Caldera Complete. Yeah. Or you go and get your kind of uh your shadow spear essentially. Those are the two targets that you have at the moment. Yeah. Maybe a nettle cyst if that's in your deck too.
1: Apparently the reality chip is is really good. You know, once again, who knows if it's just people kind of clickbaiting and trying to get some cloud, but I've heard that the reality chip is kind of busted in the um, like hammer time decks.
0: Yeah, well there's well when we get on to the modern results later, the, yeah. there is at least no, there's, there's two blue-white hammer time lists in the top eight of one of the one of the events. So one of them has reality chip as a two-to-target. Yeah. Just more card advantage down there. For that, and long game grinding ability, I guess.
1: Yeah. Alright, next. Alright, next kind of the the new exciting deck, even though I had kind of a rough rough go yesterday with it especially against the top decks but it's uh kind of been the the talk i guess of the the week one of the most talked about deck is a grease fang parhelion combo tri- Parhelion
0: the second please
1: sorry Par- parhelion two. yeah uh which apparently is just a parhelion rebuild by the Boros angel so
0: it's the same ship i wouldn't know it's just important to recognize parhelion two.
1: Yeah, so yeah, you're basically just trying to bin the Parhelion and then reanimate it with Grease Fang, gives a taste, Grease Fang gets to cruit right away, boom, you attack for thirteen and you get to keep the angels in play. Pretty easy to just discard the Parhelion again next turn because it goes back to your hand at end of turn and you know do it again. So yeah, I was not a believer. I figured okay, weak to graveyard hate, weak to removal, just doesn't seem like this deck is gonna come together, but I-, I was impressed. Whether it's by the Mardu version or the Esper version, the the deck's just been good for me. To be fair, I've been beating up a lot on um, on the white green Heliod decks. That deck is super popular on the ladder, especially at maybe slightly lower ranks. And um, yeah, deck's been good. Goblin Engineer, super sweet in in that deck because it it basically makes your deck a two card combo. Whereas in the Esper version, you need to draw and discard the Perhelion and have Grease Fang, so a little harder to assemble. Engineer is also pretty sweet with portable holes and Wishclaw Talisman, Wellspring. There's a few cheap artifacts you can play to uh, kind of play the value game, and you get to play Seasoned Pyromancer, which fits perfectly in this deck. We know how good Seasoned Pyromancer is, especially when the discard ability is, is just so relevant
0: you don't have to sell me on uh, the power level or season pyromancer and it's definitely the big draw to building this deck in the modern modern way Like you're just having access to all those really busted modern horizons uh direct prints and pyromancer um yeah but also access to faithless looting as well
1: yeah you get looting you get discovery you get to play card that's you know getting to play a card that's beyond in modern is nice and this version is definitely super explosive. A card I've been really impressed by too is the mech hangar, the land that turns your, you know, just cruise your vehicle. It means you don't have to have a creature. It's especially good in grindy games against people with a ton of removal, and it's won me a ton of games. I've been more impressed by the Mardu version, but the S4 version might be better against graveyard hate. You don't have engineering. You know, you have a lot of dead cards with the Mardu version, once they have rest in peace and play. Whereas the Esper version, you can play the bad Tinker cards and you also have more card advantage. You know, you're playing Charter Course and First for Knowledge, and you can play some Counter Spell. So it's tough. the The Mario version is kind of sweeter and more explosive, and you combo people turn three more. But I I will say, yesterday I was uh I was winning against stuff and then i was losing to blue white control and phoenix so i was losing kind of to the top tier decks which is not what i where i want to be at and maybe maybe the s4 version will end up being the the better overall version because you can play uh maybe maybe that version will play out a little better against uh the the top tier decks
0: yeah i do really appreciate it it's the 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 single-minded ex- explosiveness of the modern version is something that's really good early on in the format and then often gets adapted to, and then you need this kind of, you know, slightly less... Yeah, it's just slightly less all-in version, but I, the, honestly, the SV deck looks like it has lots of great tools. I mean, between... Between the access to all the counterspells that you would get and the card advantage you would naturally want to have in your deck, like Thirst for Knowledge that let like, you set up your combo, but you also get, you get the access to the counter spells, the Tesseract post board. So you have the kind of transformational sideboard essentially where, yeah, you probably win the game by putting a boat into play or a Parhelion to the play and activating it with Mech Hanger, but you're not all in on this strategy, similar to how a Splinter Twin deck might board down to like one or two copies of Twin post board and just play a more normal game. Yeah, just access the cards like Thoughtseize really will really help you against against the um, the blue control decks. But I definitely agree with you that trying to be, if if you're losing to the, like you know, Jeskai or blue white right now in historic, I wouldn't I wouldn't be happy with my deck.
1: Yeah, no, Thoughtseize was was really important, especially against blue white after sideboard. Maybe you can just build the the Mardu version in a less all-in way in the main deck. This way, after sideboard, you have a deck that's less reliable on the graveyard because what happens is if you have too much graveyard stuff in the main you can't really build a sideboard to to make up for it you need to kind of split the difference you know because you also need maybe your own graveyard hate maybe you need some uh, what did i have in the sideboard? i had like leyline. i had some extra removal like glass casket is it, it, is sweet but um yeah i was i was struggling to to have kind of a coherent enough deck after a sideboard against control. And Phoenix just felt really tough. They had a fast clock, add ley line, but they didn't even really carry that much. They have crafting Drakes and whatnot. They have yeah. some cheap Phoenix counters. Is yeah.
0: Phoenix is definitely tough. I mean, it, it's doing roughly the same thing as this parhelion deck. It's a kind of like graveyard synergy deck, but it just plays all the kind of aggressive breaches and disruption. So it's just, I, I'm not surprised it's, na- it's naturally favored. And it's also this thing where Maybe you're just built trying to build the worst graveyard deck essentially if you're, if yeah. you're doing something other than playing Phoenix. You know, there's yeah. already there's already Graveyard Hate in the format specifically targeted against Phoenix, and you're just trying to do an all more all in version or less flexible version. You know, yeah. Maybe not the not the not the right way to go about doing things. I was gonna make some of the point. I, I, um but it, my, it's escaped me. Maybe you can uh just, just go on for a second.
1: Yeah, I know what you just said makes a ton of sense, you know, you're you're trading explosiveness for kind of versatility, consistency, and Phoenix has they have the counters, they have a little, you know, soul lanterns or terminus Crypt, script, and they don't care that much. Maybe my approach was wrong to just having these ley lines in the matchup. Maybe that's not what you want to do. Maybe you just want I was gonna say vanishing verse, but does that doesn't deal with cracking Drake Eater. Um, you know, figure figure some, some other plan or some other way to build a deck. But it's yeah, it might be might be tough. That's my, maybe Esper is going to be the, the better version again, where you can just play a bunch of Disputes and Vanishing Verse, and
0: yeah, I still think that deck's likely to be uh, an underdog to Phoenix in general, though, just because the, just Phoenix is a very just well polished and cohesive deck, and you know, yeah. it plays very, lots of really cheap spells, and you know you're trying to counteract it by playing a bunch of clunkier spells that might be a little bit more powerful. You just and that and that at a natural disadvantage versus Phoenix, but it, maybe it improves you in other matchups to the point where you can say this is actually a, a worthwhile thing to be doing. Yeah, but I definitely have been I've been really impressed when I've been watching people play these play these grease fang decks overall. Just you don't need it's a, you don't need to kill your, put your opponent on the spot when you get that grease fang trigger, but you just create such an insurmountable advantage that it's uh, you just basically get the job done.
1: Yeah, and the cost the deck building cost is not that high. Besides the the Parhelion, you have mostly cards you can cast that are decent. You have a, a lot of ways to draw and discard, like good ways to draw discard, whether it's a Mardu version or the Esper version. So you still have you, you you're pretty consistent, your draws are pretty reasonable. And um yeah, I guess we'll we'll see uh how how this deck evolves if they can keep up and
0: there's a lot ways you can take the, take the Mardu version and make it less all in. Cause you've already got the perfect card essentially for transformational sideboards in Susan Pyromancer, so yeah. that card's just amazing at bridging the gap between, you know, one strategy and another just by its ability to recycle useless cards. Yeah, you know, but there's probably some, some sideboard threat that you could put in the Mardu deck that really, that means that you just come out of all guns blazing, like not quite Goblin Rabble Master explicitly, but a Rabble Master-esque. Kind of card, the single card threat that just kind of carries the game. it's a pity that grease fang is just a creature with three toughness that has a big target on its head because your opponent just doesn't just transform into kind of all graveyard hate and they're not and then no removal. they just wind up keeping in some removal as well because it's it's good to, in the games where they wouldn't have graveyard hate and just like to tag a grease fang. so you can't really rely on a creature like that. But there's yeah. probably some like combination of Planeswalkers or something like that that can that can make your opponent's life pretty pretty miserable.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. the The Phoenix matchup seems like it's going to be super, super, super tough, def- almost no matter what, because they also have unholy heat to just you know yeah. kill uh-huh. kill your hair creatures too. It's it's. I'm, basi-
0: I'm basically writing off the Phoenix matchup in general. If I'm if I'm picking a deck like Gristbank, I think I think I'm just saying that that matchup's horrible for me. But I think I've got enough elsewhere yeah. that it's worth it. It's it's the it's the blue line control and the Jeskai matchups that uh, are these ones worth salvaging because they're the more they're the ones that you can actually. Fight you you can get an advantage against them if you have like vetoes and disputes or you know lots of discards for say you can you can actually get a little bit of an edge and just pick a hole in them and then and then get the job done. Whereas against Phoenix, I think you're just trying to like lower yourself down to their level, but still you're just like a less cohesive and worse version of the deck. So I just the Phoenix matchup might just be a write off one whatever way you cut it, but you can probably salvage blue white and 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 just go. Anyway, this is this has been the most interesting thing to me. I I feel out of that that's come out of the first couple of weeks of the format of these vehicle vehicle strategies. And I agree with you that Mech Hanger has looked really, really, really impressive. Just yeah. having combo pieces just land is just remarkably, remarkably powerful.
1: Yeah, and maybe I wrote up the Esper version. You know, I've been seeing all week people asking me what's better between Esper and Mardu, and I've been like Mardu, Mardu, not close. But I think in Pioneer they play people have been playing Esper, and yeah. Um, Golan Engineer is not legal in Pioneer, though, right?
0: No, you see, there's no reason to be playing Esper in, yeah. in Pioneer. Because oh, you yeah, you don't looting. have Looting either, right? You don't have Looting, you don't have yeah. Pyromancer, you don't have Engineer, so why would you ever bother playing Mardu? So you, you definitely just default play, to play Esper there. Yeah. The Tinker is a big pickup, and so is the Tezzeret. Like The Tezzeret just being a card that, you know, essentially a second copy of another like version of Mech Hanger that just sits in play and cruises you with an advantage and then can occasionally combo... Combo to kill your opponent. I think that's there's a lot of a lot of mileage to be gained there.
1: Yeah, I need to play more with these cards because I haven't been blown away neither by the Tinker nor by Tesseret. They've been kind of okay, but nothing too too spectacular. Oh, they're
0: definitely yeah. unimpressive on the surface. They, yeah. The, the Tesseret maybe might not, be awesome, but it, it, it can be a, a four mana planeswalker that draws two.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, it definitely won me games against against blue white and
0: yeah. But the, t- the Tinker does look, look awful, basically. Yeah. this is long and short you basically need to have extra artifacts and you know, the decks do you what, what are extra artifacts are you playing to tinker away
1: you have, you have portable hole you have um hot shot yeah, mechanic yeah. you can play even though I'm not yeah. sure that deck really needs the cards
0: yeah I'm, I'm definitely skeptical of the need for a Hotshot mechanic long term so you know, those of you who don't know the card names hotshot mechanic is the savannah lions for so plus one wide it's an artifact two one. Artifact creature 2 1 and has concurred vehicles with as long as power was full, essentially.
1: Yeah. Alright. Another deck I tried was the Paradox Engine deck, blue-green. And I was not super impressed. The lack of Uro really hurts you. You just won so many games was, was Uro when that deck was somewhat competitive. It was it was close to to tier one. Uh, a bunch of my teammates actually played the salt eye version in, in one of the set championships and the deck the deck was quite good but uh yeah no uro is really rough one card that's sweet in the deck is tome of the infinite it's an arena only card that uh, conjures a bunch of um one mana spells so the good ones are like lightning bolts sword to Plosures, uh, four spikes kind of okay ponder but then you also have assault probe and giant gross but what's cool about that card is it lets you go up if you have um if you have the engine in play and a tome and a couple artifact mana then you just conjure you always get a one mana spell that you can cast for colorless and you know as long as you have a blue uh, blue source so you know mox plus memory or maybe you should play a card like call Seal to get that blue source uh, and the the card can just kind of take over a game on its own too i guess just a card advantage engine if you get a little lucky so that was cool. It was Andrew Cunio who tr- told me I should be playing four copies of that card. But yeah, that deck was at Uro. I'm not a believer. I will say the one cool thing was that when I got paired against the Parhelion decks, the passive of Karn Creator means they can't accrue uh, the Parhelion. So that was that's kind of a nice interaction. But overall, not super impressed. And then...
0: I mean, honestly, when I when I saw those uh, paradox engine decks, even when Aurora was legal, I wasn't particularly impressed with them. They're very fragile, weak to out hate, weak to cards I can't agree creator. Once you know what's going on, pretty easy to pick apart. But you know, that are definitely the, the Tome of the Infinite is definitely yeah, a cool a cool pickup and great great find by by, by Cunio.
1: Yeah, no, that card's super cool and kind of good. I know. You know missman i think always likes to play one copy controlled x not 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 a, not a bad card and um yeah as, as i said so far top tier has looked like blue white control and phoenix i feel like this week anytime i got paired against someone who was basically in the top 100 maybe they were either playing blue white or phoenix was only one or
0: two exceptions so has blue white gained anything major over the last couple of sets since I've since I've really paid a lot of attention to historic? What's what's blue white doing now that uh, means it's more powerful than it had been in its previous in previous formats? Blue white got a lot. So it got memory deluge. It
1: got the stern proctor lotus field version. If you want to play that, it got divine purge, which is really good in a, a lot of matchups. Whether it's against food, even if it's that new parhelion deck, it's good against. Uh, affinity decks you got so mine
0: for the three mana wrath that puts everything into exile but it costs two more
1: yeah exactly okay all right yeah
0: that, that card's really powerful
1: it's artifacting creature that costs fewer less and then you have to pay two That's more and that. stuff yeah. yeah you got you know the fairy time raveler who got nerfed but uh you know that you can you can play it again And uh, with the new set, you get March of Outerworldly Light. And I've been pretty impressed by that card, the little I've played with it. And it's been pretty good against me. You get to kill Manlands for one mana. That was pretty sweet. And um, yeah, that card, I think, is is good. I'm not sure if Lotus Field is better than Non-Lotus Field. I'm not sure if you maybe still want to play Jeskai for Iteration and Lightning Helix and whatnot, even though now that you have March you have less of a need to splash for removal but iteration could still be good so that's something still something that you have to figure out you also have a card like farewell that might be good the the six mana sweeper if people play food if people play these artifact decks but um yeah i haven't played a ton of it yet because i was focusing on some of the newer stuff and maybe more exciting stuff but um, yeah, so far I feel like Phoenix Blue White, I feel like Black Green Food took kind of a hit. You've got Divine Perch now, maybe Farewell. You've got these Blue White Artifact decks. I feel are decent against uh, against Food in general because you have Portable Hole. You can maybe play Lion Sash now. And um, I guess the party, about, yeah. sorry,
0: just just on the on the, from the food the food notion. What about Only called Anvil? That's the the black red artifact that lets you tap at the sacrifice, an artifact to drain your opponent for one. And then whenever an artifact dies, you make a one, one. I heard
1: that card is busted. Some people have claimed it's busted. I played against once. It didn't do much. I mean, I, I did use my portable holes on it, but it's just cause they had nothing else going. So it was either that or not using my cards. I heard that card is good. It would kind of make sense that it's, it's good. But is it kind of a, you know, win more cards? Kind of make yeah, your good draws I mean, better? Or is it a card that's actually
0: helping yeah, well, you I, go off? And another way of sacrificing food without having to spend mana for trailer crumbs is pretty is pretty reasonable. But it's a, maybe it's the sort of card that you only want a couple of copies of. But then, does it come at the cost of you know robust mana or whatnot? Like the more colors of mana you have to put in your deck, yeah, you can't start card, you can't play cards like Beside you or the, the new Beside you or anything like that as well. So it definitely comes at the cost of adding that third color.
1: Yeah, and you can't sack creatures to it, right? You can only sack artifacts, so you can't sack your cat to it.
0: I didn't realize it couldn't sack creatures. I thought it was the creatures or artifacts. Okay, I'm All
1: pretty right. sure it's only artifacts, but I could be wrong. So I haven't seen that deck in action much. I feel like that's probably just some of the you know hype, hype tweet people just hyping up their decks and whatnot, and it's not actually that good.
0: So yeah, just check. it's a, it can only sacrifice artifacts, yeah. and this is whenever an artifact goes to the graveyard, it makes a one-one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Def- what it, so there's definitely a bit of kind of new card fever on the on the ladder at the moment. I presume people just trying new things and not wanting to be the fun place of playing top decks of the of the other of format previous
1: actually i've played against a lot of the deck i've played the most against was just white green company with no new cards and that 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 matchup was pretty easy with the Parhelion decks and you know all the glass caskets and portable holes and whatnot helped a lot and the boats you know sky sovereign was really good in the matchup
0: and I love I love that the boat has uh, resurfaced. I really like the boat.
1: Yeah, that card's great. I guess so far I would say Blue eyed and Phoenix stopped here. These are the decks to beat.
0: Yeah, so business as usual, really. Yeah, but it looks like there's it looks like there's some de- definite contenders. Um, this this set has got a really kind of interesting feel to it, in my opinion. Well, we've got cards that are obviously making an impact, but nothing's really, like, standard. Like, this is a 10 out of 10, and everything else like a 5. Like It looks like we've got a whole bunch of kind of 7s out of 10. And, you yeah, know, a bit of a flat power level, lots of exciting things, things asking you to build around them, some things just kind of fitting in nicely to, to old existing strategies. Yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with this set and how it's been playing so far.
1: Yeah. It's also, we need a little more time to, to tune these new decks. Phoenix yeah, and definitely. Blue White have been around for a while, so... These these decks are already kind of tuned, even though there's a lot of room in in, in your control decks the way you want to build them.
0: What about um when's, this, when's the set when's it when's the deck list due for this format, this tournament?
1: In twenty days, more or less.
0: Yeah, a bit of time for the format to shake out. Is there any is there any mean are there any meaningful online events between now and then?
1: I don't know, if there's PDQs or Opens. I'm not too sure. I'm assuming there's going to be at least a PTQ or two, but they might be standard. they might be alchemy, which alchemy is also another format. I need to to get into. Probably start playing that next week.
0: Yeah, I, honestly, I'm kind of disappointed this tournament's not going to have standard in it because I think the sta- I think the standard format might actually be enjoy might actually be pretty good.
1: There's yeah. a lot of
0: unexplored spaces at the very least, and I was going through my my collection on Arena, and I'm definitely better set up to build standard decks than I am to build anything else at this point in time. Yeah. And so I was kind of excited about just, you know, trying to build various different vehicle decks or yeah, you know, there's even kind of just good like red aggressive cards in this set that would be really good in standard, but probably not good enough in a format like historic or uh, or even alchemy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe alchemy was kind of a mistake, you know, they kind of panicked and uh
0: it feels like there's a little bit of a little bit of that going on just yeah. kind of oh do we have to ban things though? what's this making you for man <laughs> I mean I thought it was a good idea to use the arena resources but I
1: was worried yeah. it would spread you know the the, the spreading spreading the player base even thinner was was my worry and
0: yeah I definitely am on board with that I mean I I've heard like little bits of chatter here and there about standard. And then I was kind of looking over the card sets and just being like, this is pretty good, but no one's playing this or talking about it. And then, you know, the same feel for Alchemy as well. Like there's just not very much going on for that format either. Like the the attention is just divided and that was that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, the formats are what they are and you play what they tell you to play. And this this set looks like it's, you know... it's going to impact both formats pretty significantly, and I think that's a, that's an exciting place to be for a, in the lead-up to what is essentially a pro tour.
1: Yeah. No, I haven't watched Standard, but I think Croquis and some of the other big streamers have been playing Standard, and I heard Hard Effect is good. I heard Enchantress is good. Sounds like there's, yeah, somehow maybe Standard's like the best format right now, even though I've been, I've been enjoying Historic. And if yeah. standard is good, alchemy is probably like not far too far apart, right?
0: Yeah, well, that's right. Like, h- how far apart are standard and alchemy? Really, all things considered, with the exception of like probably some egregiously powerful cards in alchemy, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: Should we talk about modern a little bit? Because yeah. I think the set's been impacting modern pretty significantly, or at least a land has been impacting modern pretty significantly.
1: Yeah. You want to you wanna go ahead? I played just the one modern challenge. I don't know if you've played some yeah. modern this week.
0: Well, I haven't. I've played like one. No, I haven't. No, I didn't play any. I didn't play any modern league this week. Um, but I did have a pre-Kamagawa uh, tournament that I played. So uh, two weekends ago, I played uh, one of the, uh, the biggest event in the UK since COVID hit uh, up in uh, Milton Keynes. It's about an hour's drive from Oxford. So run by Axion now. It was a big two-day event. Essentially, they had 250-player um, modern tournament on the Saturday, and then a teams event and legacy event on the Sunday. I only went for the Saturday, as it was. I played um, Grix- Grixis Death Shadow. I started out 2-0. Uh, beat Green Tron and uh, Four Color Creativity. Then I had a really frustrating and interesting draw against uh, Four Color Control, which my, where my opponent had, had to had to hit three spells off of. Iteration plus a draw step. They were all one mana spells as well to be able to not die. And then I, we drew with me with lethal for turn six, including a really, a really nice sweat where I got to attack with Ragavan with them on two life with the potential of hitting one of three lightning bolts in their deck, which was uh, quite exciting. You know, my opponent was like, oh, I guess it's a draw. I was like, let's reveal the top card first, please. (laughs) Cause I might be able to, I might, I might be able to get you, but it didn't get there. And then in round three, I played against Blue Red Merktide, and I won one games apiece. I got a phone call saying you have to come home right now because Teddy is burning hot, and he was running a fever of like ninety, not ninety degrees, like thirty nine degrees Celsius, which is incredibly warm. And so I immediately dropped from the tournament and came home.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: so my my tournament was cut short. Uh, realistically, I probably wasn't going to be able to finish what was going to be a, a midnight, make it till midnight to 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 win the event. But I, it was nice to be in a room with a bunch of magic players again. And I actually met a listener of the podcast, Aaron. You uh, know, had a chat between rounds. So shout out to Aaron. It was really cool, cool to meet you. Um, got to borrow cards from other people and meet a few people here and there. But yeah, it's just nice to be in a room with a bunch of people and playing magic again but that's kind of an old format now. I feel like things have changed.
1: Yeah, I played the Modern Challenge on Sunday. I decided to just play Omnath with Boseju and Sokenzan, I believe the red one is called. I, uh, what, I, what I did was that I cut the red-green cycling land and I cut the force Solitude because I didn't know what else to cut. And I went up one land. I played one Boseju, one Sokenzan in the main deck and then I had a second Beseju in the sideboard. I wanted to play more, but there were 45 ticks, so I just bought a couple. Yep. Figured yep. I would start with two. And um, they were really good for me. I uh, actually had a buy round one. I went 5-2 overall. I lost to Charvelcher in a match where I just messed up both games, where Beseju should have actually won me both games. Yeah, you and... had
0: the Beseju in hand in your opening hand both games, and it was
1: yeah. just... Without Ren, just the the effect like game one, I I forget what my mistake was game one. and game two I just used Baseju on I, I played it because I didn't have a third land. And then they just went belcher packed of negation or something, and if I just kept it, I would have been able to just you the Belcher away.
0: I think I think in game one what happened was you clicked through your second main phase and didn't cast oh, memory yeah. damage. I somehow unclicked my second main
1: randomly, and it it totally screwed me over. Um... You
0: were you were on like this colossal tilt. It's... Yeah, that, that round
1: was super frustrating, and I my other loss was to a very very cool deck uh, played by Scipios. It was a Slogorg, the Overslime deck which is a blue, a green, and uh, one for free-free. Legendary Creature Ooze, it has Trample. Whenever a land card is put into your graveyard from anywhere, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Remove free counters, return it to its owner's hand, and when it leaves the battlefield, you return free, up to free target lands from your graveyard to your hand. So they were playing oh. Teemer Assault deck, Was Life from the Loam, and Ren and Six. Uh, they, have, they had all the good cards: Dragon Rage, Chandler, Ragavan, Unholy Heat, Lightning Bolts.
0: Yeah, they're actually in fourth place in the Sunday Challenge. Yeah.
1: Yeah, iteration. Yeah, they beat me and they and they made the they made top four, and yeah, Slogorg won them the second game. Honestly, I thought it would be a no key matchup when I saw what they were up to, but kind of clean to me, game two was close, but Slogorg just became a twelve twelve and trampled over over my blockers. So that was, that was that was a a really cool new deck. Obviously, they could use Baseishu pretty well. They had two copies. Kind of surprised they don't have Sekenzan. I've seen a bunch of lists and I've been surprised people weren't playing Sekenzan more. That card was uh, really good for me as well. The the few times it came up, I it won me a game against Merktide, where I just got to make a couple of 1-1s to have some blockers for Ragavan. That was pretty clutch. And uh, yeah, Beseju was very good for me. It, it won me some games. It should have won me some other games. Uh, honestly, as good as advertised.
0: Yeah, I think I think living up to all like everybody's expectations from Beseju, I think for anyone who could afford it this weekend, they did well. I, I mean, the, the top eight is littered with copies of Beseju in, in you know everything from the Amulet Titan decks to these four color decks, and then you know everything in between. I think. Yeah, you know, definitely proving that it's worth that slot over like a basic forest you might play, or even over some spells. Yeah, just a really powerful and uh, impactful card. I'm really impressed with this assault loam deck, though. I, I really like it. Yeah, it I, was. I, I got a big soft spot for assault loam.
1: It was super scary playing against it. I felt, you know, they resolved and solved the game. Kind of ended on the spot. It, it was, it was scary. Um,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you had positive experiences with, um, with. Sakens and Crucible of Defiance. So that's uh, that's good to hear because I wasn't, I haven't really seen much of anything else in terms of uh, these uh, channel from the the latest set other than the you. But you know, the reports it's good. It's good to hear someone having a positive positive effects with them, even if you didn't have the, like a breakthrough finish or whatnot. Because these things do seem so powerful. I think yeah. that you know, you know, Six is obviously one of the, like a, like hallmark card and former like modern and. You do know, the effect doesn't need to be massive for you to get a huge advantage just recurring it over and over and over again. I mean people struggle to make space for cards like, you know, Forgotten Cave or whatnot, you know, the cycling lands that got re- printed in modern, modern horizons or the onslaught ones originally. But you know, having having spells have an immediate effect on the game rather than just, you know, have a spending mana to kind of gradually churn through cards is um, is a slightly different animal, I think. Going to play modern time? One's a very fast format you need to have an impact rather than just keeping to spend your know, red mana to draw a card you know every every turn
1: yeah speaking of fast, just the fact that it comes put in play on tap was super huge for me
0: oh, it's just a massive massive improvement over over, over, over you know, the cycle ads or whatnot
1: yeah i mean how good how, how i mean it's kind of even stupid to consider that but how good would these cycling ends be if they just came into play on tapped? you know Busted. yeah absolutely busted let you cast rag of turn one and six on two etc so yeah it was actually Great. funny i played against uh javier dominguez in the last round thali and i beat him really close match i beat him and he was like good luck in the top eight and i was like oh i must have been gotten paired up if he's saying that and uh you know had i known i might have even maybe scooped against him but uh, yeah, I beat him in the last round and he made top eight in eighth place. It was a 5-2 record and I actually came in nines, which is uh, very good. Yeah, it was, so I was like <laughs> oh, no, good luck to you in the top eight I guess. And then he ended up winning the tournament. He was playing Hammer Time, was Thoughtseed's main deck and four Ingenious Genius Smith. No, uh, no new cards whatsoever. Not even one Iganjo over one of the snow-covered planes. Either he didn't think about it or he was more worried about Blood Moon and running out of Basics, I guess, because his deck only plays, I guess, only five fetchable lands, four snow-covered plains, and one gullish shrine, so you can't go too low. And um, he had Bitter Blossom in his sideboard, which he cast against me in one of the games. It was kind of okay, but didn't end up being
0: enough. It, so I watched that I watched that game, actually. Um, when he cast Bitter Blossom, I was really I really worried for you, but it, it, it didn't end up, wind up mattering. But the card makes a lot of sense to me, in theory. Yeah, I was uh, impressed with the kind of you know digging through the archives. Essentially, that Javier and his group of of, of people he tests with have done and coming up with the card like Bitter Blossom seems to suit Hammer perfectly.
1: Yeah, I will say in that specific spot, I think it was better than Confident, even though he had both yet two Bitter Blossom, two Confident the sideboards. Um, yeah, but
0: just having things to suit up is uh, is, is big game and things that Hammer is one of these decks that like rewards you really well for being. I would not say passive, but like, not just kind of playing your hand face up, I guess, when you're navigating through the game, like, it's, it's actually sometimes, sometimes better to have a draw where you can just kind of pass with mana up and attack your creatures into there, and they can't really cast their removal spells, because if you respond with a hammer, then you'll get them with a the creature that you didn't target, or it'll save it from a burn spell or whatnot, and Bitter Boston plays perfectly into that dynamic. What about the second place deck list in this challenge, though, which is uh, just blue red, blue red, murk tide, but with no Ragavans, <laughs> just Delver of Secrets?
1: Yeah, I don't know what to make about, about it. I think Manguchi also what. played the deck and he also trophied. Oh, well, you know,
0: well, it... Delver of Secrets is a pretty good magic card if you reveal spells on top of your deck. I wonder if it's a
1: budget consideration in the first place or if Dan Kerr legit thought Delver was bigger, better, better than Ragavan.
0: And it has to be. It has to be a bunch of considerations. Surely, I don't I just, know. I can't think of another reason why you wouldn't want to do that. Why you wouldn't want to play, play Ragnar? Even in some other, we just have some Delvers' secrets and some Ragnar fans. Yeah, Ragnar is just that good. But then it's you're making your, well, making your Delvers worse. That's true. You uh, are making your Delvers worse. That's true. Maybe, maybe it's the perfect, perfect calculus. Yeah. No yeah. way of knowing. Not I a... think fifth place is a hammer, one of these blue-white hammer decks with a uh, reality chip in it, though.
1: Yeah, what, yeah one one reality chip, one lion sash.
0: Yeah, that's right. Pickups from the new set, but we bit t- of uh, spell pierce and stuff in the sideboard. This is something we've seen before in modern, but I. This is not the only top eight for a lion slash plus reality chip hammer, as well. There's one in the um. There's a copy in the PDQ that also happened.
1: Okay. Um, These
0: decks playing kind of a, a Lavinia or Renegade as well. So I presume it's a, as a concession to decks like Hammer Time. Not Hammer, sorry, not not Hammer Time. Um, decks like Titan, uh, you know, which uh, you know, trying to cast spells with like, not very many lands in play or whatnot. You know, be pretty good at racing. You know, getting Valakots in the play and stuff is pretty good at racing Hammer Time. And so having access to cards like Lavinia means it, there's a bit of disruption on that front. Yeah, uh, the other list I saw has the meddling mages in it as well, which is nice against they like Belcher.
1: Yeah. Lovinia helps a bit against Belcher too, right? They have their stuff to yeah, the the rituals.
0: Yeah, it does. Also, there's a second reality chip in the sideboard, which is you know, a commitment to the bit.
1: Yeah, no, we talked about it. It makes sense, right? With C aid you can attach them as they come into play. So Yeah, I mean you, just you, helping you grind. Yeah
0: um yeah decks full of one and you know zero one and two mana spells it's fantastic really if you think about it like those old future side decks where you just just keep casting spells on the top of your deck
1: yeah i wonder why there was so many hammer decks in the topic this week there was i think six hammer time decks in the two topics combined between the challenge and the ptq i don't have yeah. a great reason i don't know if because people have even better list than they used to, or if it's just a fluke, or if it lines up well in in the meta. Yeah, I have
0: no, I have no idea. There's even there's three in the in the um the PDQ top eight as well. Yeah, you know, there's two challenges. So, yeah, there's a great weekend for Hammer Time overall. It's a pretty. The eighth place in the PDQ has got um is blue white again. It's got the Lavinia and one Lavinia remaining. It's also got a restoration specialist.
1: Yeah, I don't get it. I guess it's just a good value card with Loris and. Yeah, in general
0: yeah. i mean it's a restoration specialist is two one for two with white, one white sacrifice and you can return up to one artifact and one enchantment card so you can get back as a saga and your great guy with it or a cigar as they, they might have might have uh, dealt with definitely a, a little like piece of tech that i haven't seen crop up before but uh, who knows how good it is in reality
1: yeah other new cards from kamigawa is um march of reckless joy that's kind of the light up the stage the Beltro deck that made Top 8 had free copies. I guess it lets you yeah. get rid of these. It's pretty sweet, right? A lot of all your lands are also spells, so you might have these extra red cards uh, in your hand that you're not using.
0: Yeah, it's perfect with that. Perfect in the deck where all your lands are actually red. Your red lands are also actually just red cards that you can exile. It's a fantastic piece of, kind of deck building, I think, from Bob49.
1: Yeah. No uh, no land in the sideboard, I was wondering. I actually. That was a player I lost to and punted, and I was wondering if they would have a, a land to get against Maseju. They decided against it, or didn't think about it, didn't think it was worth it.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's probably one of those things where like the cost of like putting it in your deck and then just having to try and combo it well, while it's like, in your deck still is just horrendous. Is
1: it, like, though, because if you're not too unlucky, you'll still kill someone, right? You only need to not have it in the top 10,
0: right? Yeah, if it's a mountain, yeah. Yeah,
1: and and, I suppose so.
0: Maybe and, it makes you, like, what, and, just, like, a little bit under 25% to, to, to not, not kill? I mean, maybe even lower than that, because people are, you know, shock. you shock yourself
1: pretty liberally against Charvelter, because you know your life total doesn't really matter. I suppose so. So your your fail rate is pretty low and you have recr recrossed the path too, you're just gonna kill those recrossed the path some of the games, I guess, where you just get to stack yeah. your deck.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe it is oversight, yeah. And considering the card like passage is gonna be so ubiquitous now. Yeah. I imagine that I'm, I'm, I'm 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 gonna call it people.
1: now they're gonna start having uh one uh one like stomping yeah. around in the sideboard or
0: steam event yeah. or... that could make sense to me. I mean, this, this Besedju is everywhere. I mean, if I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the PDQ results right now, and Punt and Wine is in first place with uh, Amulet Titan, three main deck Besedju, fourth one in on the sideboard. We go down, and then there is a four color control, four color uh, Omnath deck, two Baseju in, in the main. There's a fight. There's a green white Death and Taxes with Yorion four Besedju in the main. That deck looks yeah.
1: really scary. So, Beseech was mm-hmm. was uh arbiter sounds yeah. kind of disgusting.
0: Yeah, it's pretty rude, isn't it? <laughs> if you think about it.
1: I yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not looking forward to losing to to these interactions. It's gonna feel really no. bad.
0: Yeah, I, absolutely. I'm just gonna. <laughs> it's gonna drive me at the wall. Also, four Oath of Nisra in this deck as well. It's a really nice deck building. I think, obviously, the deck is just full of creatures and it has but it has and it has Yorion for a bit of synergy. But it also just finds you Beseech you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's nuts as well. Just having ways to, like, hit hit, hit spells off of both of Nisiru's is really, really, really powerful. They've also got one in the Ganjo City of the Empire. But I think, you know, Modern at the moment is a story of Peseju just making a huge impact and changing the way people are going to be building their decks going forward. I didn't realize that it could get any any land with a basic land type, which I think is a, a nice, if someone in that inelegant piece of uh, design work, not forcing people to play basic lands in their deck to, like, get over Peseju. Yeah, but just you know, letting them get fetch lands. I can imagine this horrible world where like people realize that the Sage is nuts, and so they just start playing four, even though it's legendary. And so you can't even just get away with a kind of token one or two basics. So you just have to play like four or five or six, so you don't get Stone Reign into Oblivion by all these like four mana these, these like four copy of Sinkhole land decks. It's just yeah, I'm I'm really appreciative they let you go and get some shock lands.
1: Yeah, they probably realized how good that card might be already, and you know, didn't want to make it. Uh, yeah, no, that was, that was really clever.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not something I even. I didn't even read it when I when I read the card the first time. I just kind of my eyes glazed over that kind of sentence. It's kind of like, oh yeah, you search your library for a basic land and you put it into play. Like like we've read a million times before, but there's a slight tweak on it that just fixes. A lot of potential problems with the card and makes it printable in the form that it currently is which is exciting and impactful and probably going to make the format better overall
1: yeah one card i wanted to talk about that's not from kamigawa that's pretty new though is the cultivator colossus i was not a, a believer not that i'm a titan expert but i thought it would be kind of a win more card maybe you'd play one of but having played against the card it seemed pretty nuts and definitely not win more definitely spots where titan would not be so great or do enough uh for for x or y reasons the the colossus has has impressed me and it seems like it's just not super stock to play uh one or two copies in in the main deck of titan
0: i think the spots of the colossus is the most impactful of the spots where the t- the first couple of lands don't matter but the, and and the creature would die. Like those 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 games where like they they resolve Titan sure and they go and get the first two things in the setup and then you just kill Titan. Yeah. And then you move on with our life. Where it's a Colossus is you know maybe draws a three four five cards, gets mm-hmm. them from you know a couple of lands and amulet in play to a bunch of lands and amulet in play, and it just makes life really really difficult. Yeah. It's not like the sort of thing that's ever going to usurp Titan, but you just definitely want a couple of axes or a couple of copies of that effect in your board in your in your, in your main deck. And it seems like it's pretty pretty common now. I was going to ask about Turn Timber symbiosis or the um, the double faced land from uh, Zendikar. Has that always been a stock for him? I can't remember. I'm I'm just having that kind of mental blank.
1: I don't think so. I don't even think it was an, a one of in a lot of lists.
0: Okay, so this is something that people have kind of picked up more copies of yeah. recently, or, or Pumping Wine has decided that he's going down that path had four 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 copies of that i think it's
1: specifically pumped because i saw dumb harvey who top who 4 the one prelim since this weekend he was also playing the i don't know with titan and he had two colossus and two copies of symbiosis and he tweeted about it saying i forget the details we can we can maybe look it up but you know saying like he wanted to try symbiosis and whatnot yeah okay
0: it definitely feels like this is a sort of card where like maybe you're playing Symbiosis or you're playing can't create creator and not 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 both. And uh, the full four copies here going up to thirty-four lands essentially in this deck between the Basejus and all the all the twenty seven regular lands and the turn timber symbiosis. So plenty of fuel for the cultivator Colossus. Except I don't think you can put uh, Turn Timber Symbiosis into play with Colossus. But there's definitely just more hits for the Symbiosis if you cast it in general.
1: Yeah, no, good point. I didn't even really process that there's no Karns anymore. Whereas I felt like Karn was the better version for a long time, and by a decent bit just because how scary Karn was in a bunch of matchups. And now it's right back to just really straight up ramping, nothing fancy.
0: Yeah, definitely just all in on 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 getting lands into play and combo killing them with Dry, the LC and Grove, and a bunch of mana. Uh... I'm coming around to this idea that Colossus is actually, not Colossus, but the Titan in general is actually like a really sweet deck and I, and I like it a lot. I feel like for the first couple of years that it was around, especially after they just after they banned Summer Bloom and people were still playing the deck, I was like, this deck's a joke. Like, it's just a bad deck. Why don't people bother playing it? And it's frustrating to play against because for, for various different reasons. But I, I kind of like what it does in Magic now. I'm, 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 I'm a believer and a fan, although I'll probably never pick it up myself. Yeah. So what's the, what's the plan for the next, you know, few, few weeks in terms of magic fuse is going to be focusing on arena formats and getting ready for this PT.
1: Yeah. historic and was probably, uh, you know, still the, the modern challenges on the weekend that uh, I enjoy playing and people enjoy watching, even though it can be frustrating because I, I don't have a ton of practice and I make some dumb mistakes, even though I, sometimes I'm not even sure if it's just cause I'm out of practice or just cause my brain doesn't work as well as it used to.
0: Yeah, I definitely felt a little bit like that in playing in person. I, there's these spots where, like, normally I would just be so crisp and clean and kind of how I would go about executing in this spot. And I definitely had more kind of like head in hand, kind of like, what am I doing here? What am I actually, mm-hmm. what order am I supposed to do these things in the moment? Yeah, it's lack of practice and getting older and lots sort of stuff. Yeah.
1: Was it weird playing with real cards and shuffling decks and stuff? Or was that... Part oh, of my
0: God, I forgot thought of this i shuffled yori on deck and it was double sleeve. it was the worst i literally told my opponent afterwards i was like i really hope you have a fantastic opening hand so you don't mull and I have to do that again i just like wishing the best of luck i was like i really just hope you draw like an absolute god <laughs> i just i just started cutting the guy's deck because like yeah after you fetch and so i was like fuck this i just can't handle this yeah no of course i, I don't even like sh- i don't even like shuffling double sleeve 60 cards like i, I single sleeve everything and so like, i've got like yeah, you know, all my kind of muscle memory is explicitly for single sleeve sixty cards. And if I double sleeve yeah, I can kind of mash shuffle overhand and get it done. But this eighty card was just kind of like I'm like i've I've like played like one game of edH in my life. so I'm just like not ready for this, you know, just absolutely I' just clumsily kind of mashing it around and oh, it's awful. Just ban your on explicitly so I don't have to go through that miserable experience again. yeah, honestly, it was really nice when play physical magic though. I kind of i got all, i got all the, all the highs and lows i definitely got the uh, the kind of opponent who's like winning by or in a pretty favorable position and, and like probably ahead in the game but like really grumpy and like really upset that you're like doing that you're like have spells to cast or whatever i got that experience which i've missed a lot you know people not realizing how good they've got it in the game and just being miserable that you've kind of like you're scrap fighting for fighting on You know, scrapping for every little bit you've got. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. There's something about these events that just kind of like, uh, it definitely took me back kind of like five or so years. It's a nice feeling. Nice. Being in the trenches.
1: Yeah. I don't know when my first live event post-COVID will be. I might not just go to anything like local, just wait for the next GP-like event.
0: Yeah. I mean, so apparently, so this is probably a little bit of a product plug for, the company that organizes sort the action now announced beforehand before this event started, that they're planning on running events that are bigger in scale than this. So they're planning on running GP a GP sized event in the UK in the not too distant future, which is going to be like a two day cut the to top eight, um, mm-hmm. all kind of like they'll probably do coverage of it and this sort of stuff. That you know in probably negotiations to try and make it, um, you know feed 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 qualifications through to a set championship or whatnot and. Uh, these these weekends have been going like this, the one that I just attended have been going on for a fair while before COVID. Yeah, and the prizes are really good. and your I mean, first place for this was like three or four blue jewel lands and a like a case of Kamigawa or something like that, Kamigawa like set boosters or something like it. So it was like you know four or five thousand pounds worth of worth of prize, prizes for top eight. But I think they're going to try and run even bigger scale events. So there might be something like that coming in the not too distant future. Or maybe Wizards picks up the slack and does something like that. I don't yeah. know. The first, the first big like Wizards official GP or something in Europe is going to be enormous, though. Like you yeah. just know it's going to be massive. Like you got to, got to be there. I think is going to is how it's going to feel.
1: Plus, plus we're kind of getting there, right? They probably have to announce something
0: before the summer. By this summer. Yeah, you're right. We're we're, we're definitely. Uh, not too far off the point where they have to tell me that what tell us all that what their plans yeah. for organized play are going forward
1: yeah for 2023 yeah
0: exactly they kind of the kind of year or two that they said we're not doing anything now is kind of it's coming to an end and the the way that you know local rules and stuff are kind of changing around COVID situation you know is obviously ever evolving but it seems that more and more things are not going back to normal but being run in some capacity with mitigations in place like so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they kind of tell us they tell us something you know and of you know summer end of summer that you know, yeah is pretty excited i mean even even for, for for those you know people in your in your situation where like you wouldn't normally go to an event like you know a gp or, or whatever even if it was really close by you probably wouldn't have bothered to go but there must be some part of you that's uh that it's itching to get back out and just, you know, see people again, even, you know, despite the kind of current situation. Uh
1: Yeah, I I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm just, it's been so long. I never used to travel to a ton of events in the first place, but yeah, the first, uh, I, I've been invited to a few modern local like tournaments that I,
0: I didn't go to. There's something different about like, you know, Hundreds of people sitting in a room versus 40, I and mean, like, I definitely, I understand your feeling. I was definitely there was a point where I was sitting there at this before the before the tournament started. I was like, this is definitely the most people I've been in a room with for a very long time. Yeah, and I'm completely, yeah, It it feels foreign to me again.
1: Yeah, I guess it's just the logistics of having to get cards and stuff. And
0: oh yeah, no, that's that's obviously a nightmare. But you should just turn to Twitch chat and be a Twitch chat. I need to borrow these things, and they will they will yeah. they will give them to you.
1: Yeah, I guess that's so. How it works. Or, or I could just buy some cards. I guess you could buy some cards if you really want. Should Co- we Co- uh, put card our life market? The line? Yeah, sure. Oh, card
0: market. Yeah, exactly. Card market—a good place to spend money on Magic paraphernalia. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we should we should put our life on the line though.
1: Yeah. Should we do okay.
0: historic and modern? Absolutely, we should do historic and modern. So for those of you who are uninitiated, Life on the Line is a theoretical tournament that's happening tomorrow. Uh, the stakes are high. If you win, you live. If you lose, you die. So we're going to choose which deck we're going to bring out of all the formats we talked about. So obviously Historic and Modern today. Uh, Gab, why don't you start off?
1: Alright, for Historic, I think I would play Blue-White, Lotus Field Control. And for Modern, the deck I'll probably play in the challenge is just Omnath again. And I might try to get my hands on a full set of saves you to have, uh, you know, maybe two and two, or one in the mainframe, the sideboard.
0: Yeah, give yourself a real chance. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think those are pretty sound sense. Well, I was going to say something along the similar lines. Of historic, or play some kind of blue eyed deck. I think whether I'm going to have like my access to Mendic Rest in Peace or something like that. Oh, not Phoenix. No, I don't think I'm going to play Phoenix. I'm not really a Phoenix kind of guy. But um, which is which is you know maybe somewhat surprising given that I really like playing blue red tempo decks in general I just don't tell me about Phoenix never really gelled with me but um no I'll play I'll play blue white control again um be ready to kind of stomp on people who are playing on nonsense uh vehicles decks or whatnot trying to have fun in the new set but you know I don't know life in the line feels a little bit disingenuous when it's uh new set time and we all we want to do is try new things but you know if you, if you want to live any if you want to, if you want to win a PDQ tomorrow I would I would. My weapon of choice would be would be blue white control. Probably Lotus Field because Gap is a bit more experienced than I do. Modern though, I don't know. I've been seeing blue red ha- blue red Merktide do pretty well recently. I am, I am a sympathizer. I could I could play blue red Merktide again. Maybe play some Furies. I haven't tried. It. I haven't tried playing with Furies in a long time. Yeah, I could do that. I'm kind of like a bit bored of Death Shadow. It's still a pretty good choice, but. And you can't go wrong with it, but I, I think I I'll people are at Tide.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised.
0: Should we? I think if people are going to be casting these like four color, four color Omnath decks and stuff like that. I actually like playing Tide in those matchups.
1: Yeah. Uh, what about prices, right? I have, a, I have a good one for us.
0: I have a mythic right, let's, rare. Let's, let's do prices, right? Let's do prices, right. So
1: cultivator uh... colossus. So what we do is we try to get the price. And whoever gets closest wins and we look up the the one week average on card market is our our basis. So well let me think about it. Cultivator, Colossus, Mythic. Uh
0: right. I've got I've got the link ready to go. So I'm not paying okay, nice. by looking it up. Okay.
1: Let me let me, give me another Mythic? second. What sets it in?
0: I don't know. I'm so bad it was the symbols. It's in something with. It's not. It's not
1: DND. It's, it's. the Was there something between DD and Kamigawa? It's probably that, right?
0: Is that in a Strad Crimson Vow. Like oh yeah, yeah. Crimson no, Vow. It's not, yeah. it's not. It's not Crimson Vow. Is it? It is.
1: I think it is. Yeah. It's the one between DND and. Okay. All right. Kamigawa. It's Crimson
0: Vow. Then. Oh yeah, yeah. It's in Vow. Yep. Okay. Cool. All right. Okay. Oh, all right. We, I have we'll we'll yeah.
1: I have a guess. Right. I'm ready. All
0: right. Three two, one, 12, ten, euro. 10 euros. All right, here we go. Seven day price trend, 17 euro.
1: God, I got crushed. I'm so bad. I'm going to be so mad at this game.
0: Yeah, it's honestly, the game is rigged. I have, magic cards are worth way more than I ever imagined they're going to be these days. Yeah. I don't know, I'm definitely, I definitely come from an era where I was like, man, that card's $10, that's pretty expensive. And now yeah. shit, this is just absurd.
1: I might, just start, I, said, I might just start cheating, honestly.
0: Yeah, you should probably should. <laughs> It'd be completely fine with me. I don't care at all. <laughs> not suspicious you more... at all. I'm going to start, like, nailing it every week. Because you, you often be like, oh, I've got a really good card. This is just, And I will 100% not question you on it. Yeah. Whether or not you've looked it up previously or not, <laughs> And honestly, Harry won't listen to this episode. So, like, you can just get it next week. In fact, next time Harry's on, do you want to suggest something? That you've definitely looked up the price. No, nah, nah, I don't want
1: to break his trust. It's. No, nah, it's good. It's be, good to no, tie no, with him. no, no,
0: no. Okay, all right, all right. Well, Flippery as you can probably slope. tell, this is the end of the episode. If you've made it this far, we love you. Thank you for listening. Um, we'll be back next week. Same, roughly same time, roughly same place, possibly with a third member. If he found treasure at the bottom of the ocean, he may be wearing some kind of pirate hat. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, we should probably wrap up. Gab, where can we find you on the internet?
1: Yeah, twitch.tv slash yellowhat on Twitter at Gab Nassif, and and yellowhat uh, YouTube channel as well.
0: All right. Uh, you can find midweek metagame related things at um, twitter.com forward slash midweek metagame, I think. Uh, you can also go to the patreon obviously there Um, and you can find me possibly lurking in the background and of the latest Wonka film which is filming right outside the college that I am uh, recording this episode from so I walked past a a recording scene on the way in today Sick. yeah all right later everyone
1: yeah thank you so much for listening take care